0: This podcast is for those of you who want to start or grow your business. You inhale everything you can about improving your mindset and may even have the action plan, but what's getting in your way every time, it's those damn human emotions. I'm Jessica Lee McKinley, life coach for millennial entrepreneurs and your host of the What's Happening Podcast. Hi, Hafsters. Happy almost Easter or happy belated holy or... I think there's some other holidays going on. It's such a holiday type season. Spring break, spring break. Um, And yeah, I can't, I like love going through my feed right now. Everyone must have gotten the travel bug after being locked up for so long. I know so many of you are vaccinated now in New York where I am. It is, um, you know, vaccinations are have become available to the general public and so everybody is feeling excited the weather's getting nicer it's just i'm loving watching all of you guys enter the world again obviously as safely as possible and um i am loving it so anyway i we had a beautiful time calvin my son and i celebrating holy the hindu um holiday On Monday and we went to this little gathering locally where all the kids got to throw colored powder at each other and it was just so cute and it was so fun and I'm just so excited about the opportunity for my son to be able to learn about other traditions and holidays and cultures um, right in our neighborhood because I did not have that experience growing up at all. I feel like Uh, Long Island and where I grew up is a little bit flat culturally and uh, it's starting to really you know expand and people are starting to there's just more and more opportunities to learn and to grow and to be exposed to all of it and it's so fun I, I just enjoyed it so much so anyway that's just a little behind the scenes of what was going on in my week about to drive to Philly to my brother's to celebrate uh easter with my family my parents as well and uh my boyfriend and my son and i'm just i'm so excited so anyway before we dive into the topic let's shout out the hapster of the week i know now my hapsters are just listening to these episodes just for the first five minutes (laughs) with bated breath to know if it's them So the hapster this week, of course, every week it's difficult to decide, but this week there was certainly a standout and that person is Lauren, Lauren Degolia. Lauren is an astrologer and more. Uh, She's really more a coach and a guide for women that just want more out of their life and they really don't know um how to go about it because they've tried maybe some of the more traditional routes and they've delved into self-care and it's just maybe they have a lot of the things that they want in their life and yet they're still feeling it's a bit shallow and unfulfilled lauren is your girl she is an astrologer like i said but really, she's an A-plus student, and I I've figured that out the first time that I met her when she came to me um, as a client. She shows up and ready to learn and ready to ace the test, and she's got a blue-collar work ethic, really a dream employee for any corporation, and she has a very successful corporate background, And she's just a reliable, over-delivering hire as a coach and astrologer. Still, as most of my clients do, Lauren came to me with goals and it became very clear quickly that the only thing between her and those goals and dreams was her story. This week, I needed to shout out Lauren because she has set herself free of some of her old thinking patterns, some things that just kept coming up week after week in our sessions and unsurprisingly, the second that she dropped some of these thoughts, results followed. She had a breakthrough with scheduling. She uh, felt lighter in her self-concept, just the way she was describing herself and her life, and even reported a new and easy mindset around working out, right? That she comes to me for for business growth and success, and as I say all of the time, Life coaching has that vague title for a reason. Yes, I work with female entrepreneurs. However, the work that we do is holistic. It's not just going to affect uh, your bottom line, your revenue, your growth in your business. Of course it will, but also it's gonna start to overflow into the other areas of your life. It's kind of impossible not to, and that's so fun to watch. So. I loved watching you, Lauren, these past couple of months, but really these past couple of weeks realize the power of your own beliefs and the power in dropping the ones that aren't worth serving you. So shout out to Lauren. If you want to connect with Lauren, you can follow her on Instagram at Lauren D. Astrology, pun intended or rhyme intended. Um, or you can find her on her website, laurendegolia.com. That's lauren, D-E-G-O-L-I-A.com. Shout out to Lauren, all of that information. You can also just hop into the show notes and click over to link to her page. So let's talk about hiring and firing. (laughs) Sounds fun, right? I talked to you guys a lot about the challenges of solopreneur life, the T's and F's, the (laughs) thoughts and feelings behind your particular flavor of Entrepreneur roller coaster, but as they say, new level, new devil. Or as my brook, as my coach Brooke Castillo says, problems are forever. And as you level up, and as you enter the team stage of our business, now we have new expectations and new undesired circumstances to manage our brain on. Okay, so. It's, it's a beautiful thing and it doesn't go away. And I thought like only fair to start talking to those of you who are a little bit further along in your business and you have an employee or a couple of employees or many employees and you're still having thoughts and feelings about the hiring and firing process, or you're doing it in a way that feels like you're just like grin and bearing it. And you're like, I know I'm doing it, but it just doesn't feel great to me. So let's start with hiring. Why do we do it? Well, every action obviously that we take as humans is to go towards a positive emotion or away from a negative emotion. That's why I always say, and the subtitle of this podcast is that business isn't personal, but it is emotional, right? We make our decisions emotionally, not a bad thing. It's just a fact. Most people hire with the intention of Uh, taking things off their plate, quote unquote, or having someone handle something that they don't have expertise in. And in these cases, they're trying to solve for their own emotions of maybe overwhelm or confusion or feeling stuck. And then what happens is sometimes then when they experience overwhelm or confusion or feeling stuck after the hire, we feel upset. And we want to blame the employee or the situation or the hiring for that feeling. Your action of hiring never will create your feeling of, you know, uh, completely not overwhelmed, a lack of overwhelm. And it's your thoughts that create those feelings. Okay. So I wanted to compile a couple of questions that actually have come up in my one-on-one coaching About hiring, and then just give you insights into how I answered those questions. And then we're gonna do the same thing with firing. These are literal questions that my clients uh, over the last two years, some of the better ones, better questions on hiring and firing have asked me, and some of the insights of coaching that we've done. So, number one, what if I can't afford to keep them on? This is a question that I get all of the time it's probably the most common question i get when it comes to making our first hire right we're like how do i know if i can afford them i'm scared to make the move because what if then i can't afford them right a lot of the the reasons we're hiring people is so that we can get back in our zone of genius or do more work that will generate revenue and so we understand that we need to do it but We feel like it's kind of unpredictable, and it is. So I want you to answer that question. What if you can't afford to keep them on? It's helpful to think of every brand new step in your business as an experiment, because it is. You can't predict the future, right? You can't know exactly what circumstances, what's going to happen in the future of your business, but you can have a plan for what you're going to do in any of the situations, right? So you can play it all out and then you can decide how you're going to show up if any of that happens. For all hires, I recommend to my clients in general that they bring people on for a period of a 30 to 90 day trial period, depending on the nature of the, the role and the amount of training required. But like I said, the best way to predict your future is to create it and you do that with your current thinking so you want to check in and say like is my thinking right now positive the question itself what if i can't afford to keep them on is not very positive right likely if you're asking that question you're thinking other negative thoughts and you're ruminating on all the possibilities of if you have to let them go and if you have to fire them and thoughts about this will be so embarrassing and i don't want that to happen right and as we know our thoughts turn up in our result line. So we want to make sure that of course you're not, you're not, um, being delusional, but at the same time, you're just asking questions to get data and information so that you can play out all of the possible scenarios and decide how you want to show up and then go into it as an experiment. If you are, um, setting up this trial period, then you're giving yourself a grace period for things to play out and not putting that pressure on yourself to be able to predict the total long-term uh, future and really to see like, okay, this is a trial period. We're going to see if it's a good fit for you, if it's a good fit for me and um, to, to work out some of the kinks and then to renegotiate and reestablish an offering of what, you know, I want to pay you and what, the expectation is going to be going forward, or if we're just going to part ways at the end of that time. Um, I really recommend it for a lot of reasons, but especially if this is your first hire and you're really just trying to figure out, um, you know, what you can afford to pay them, what it's going to require to train them, how long that's going to take. It usually there's just a whole bunch of fails in the beginning, right? So you want to make room for that. And we want to make sure that we're going in um, and, and we're not failing in advance. Failing in advance is what you're doing when you just fail to decide, right? And failing to decide and hesitating and prolonging and procrastinating on hiring someone is just deciding to fail in advance. Because if you're asking the question, what if I can't afford to keep them on? The answer would be, well, then you'd be right back to where you are right now with no staff and no help. (laughs) So really worst case scenario is exactly what you're in right now. Um, And I think that that is pretty ironic. So question two, what if my current employee expresses interest in the new position that I'm hiring for, but I'm not sure if they'd be a good fit or I don't think they would be a good fit. Okay, so rule number one, again, you get to have this experiment mindset where if you're not sure, um, you get to decide whether you wanna experiment with them and set an outline what that would look like to see if that would be a good fit. But number two, before you can even decide if that's a good idea, you need to be really clear about the role, what it requires, who would be the perfect fit, For yourself and for the staff. Because the clearer you are on what those expectations um, would be for this new position, the clearer you can be with when this uh, current employee reaches out and is like, oh, you know what? Like, I would love the opportunity. A lot of times to make more money, right? If the new position is like a more advanced position um, and they're someone that you hired kind of either as an assistant or as, you know, a general staff member, um, that's more, you know, really a tactician rather than a strategist. We're going to talk about that in a second. Um, then you want to point out the reasons why, um, you know, you have, were p- thinking that this would be a better fit for someone else, right? You want to just like be very, crystal clear about that. And then the other person can say, you know, I actually think that I could do this and you can decide whether you want to give them the opportunity to potentially rise to this occasion. Um, so number three here is you need to make sure when you're defining roles, um, that you're hiring for that you're clear, whether you're, looking for a tactician or a strategist. So a tactician is someone whose core competency is to come in and execute on a process. And they are usually a little bit more detail oriented. They come in, they don't necessarily um, have much ambition to Uh, necessarily create the process they just want to come and they want to deliver it a strategist on the other hand are usually higher paid positions because they have to do a lot more thinking right a tactician is someone who comes in doesn't really have to do much um you know, critical thinking. They just come in and they execute. It doesn't mean that they're not hardworking and that they don't have to have, like, you don't have to have high standards for them. Of course you do for every employee that you have. But a strategist um, is someone who is coming up with the process and then also in some cases executing on it, or they're coming up with the process and then delegating um, and managing the other people that are going to be, that, that are tacticians, right? So, um, if you are now this this second role is a, more of a strategist position and you've hired a tactician and they were doing really well in the other position, it might just really not be a good fit um, off the bat and you might not want to take that chance. But again, you can explain that to the person and then let them decide if they want to apply for the position and then ultimately you can decide if uh, they're the best fit out of all the people that have applied. Um, so it makes it less emotional and you get to really just get down to neutral and just say like, these are all of the facts and that's the best fit. Next is create clear policies for success. Like within this role, you you just want to make sure that, um, the path to success for this role is like crystal clear. That way um, you can make the decision um, based on, you know, they you can make the decision together based on whether or not they think that they would be able to deliver on those things. And finally, you want to make sure that you're deciding based on your model and not on theirs. The way that my client phrased this question of what if my current employee? Uh, employee expresses interest in the new position but I'm not sure if they'd be a good fit makes me think that really I would ask them like it sounds like you don't think they're a good fit but for some reason you feel bad about that because it sounds like they're uh, living in their model, they feel bad. They think the other person will be disappointed, will feel defeated, and they don't want them to feel that. And so they're trying to solve for that and making the decision out of people pleasing rather than out of what's best for the company. So you just want to make sure that you're in your model, you're getting to neutral, you're very clear about the role, about the person, you're giving clear path to success, and then you know you're just making the decision that makes the best most sense for the business period always right okay third question about hiring is I want help but I want it to be done right so I always end up doing the things myself I'm scared to hire someone because I don't want to pay someone to do it I don't want to pay someone and then do it end up doing it myself so I get this one a lot right especially for those of you who are the type A perfectionists and really feel like if you want to do anything right, you have to do it yourself, right? Everybody always just messes things up. What I call that is really just sloppy management and sloppy planning. It just means that you don't have very clear Path to success, deliverables, and usually a training process. And you don't do the hand holding in the beginning that you need to in order to then set them free, right? If you just like hire someone and then set them free and then do not really help them through (laughs) the fails in the beginning, you're not setting them up for success and then you're blaming them and then you're ending up, um, you're ending up basically just at the same point where you were in the beginning so growth requires room for failure so as you did in the beginning of your business you failed until you learned how to do some of these things so your employees need a little bit depending on the position um a lot of these roles that you're hiring for will need a little bit of wiggle room for them to learn and fail. Um, and as long as you're giving guidelines for, you know, how much room they have to fail and what you expect them to uh, do when they do fail, right? Learn from it, document it, ask questions, um, and then not continue to make the same mistakes over and over again. Um, And you should be putting the onus on creating new policies and guidelines after every fail that they're um, experiencing as well, right? If there is a communication breakdown, you implement a new policy so that it doesn't happen again, right? And so there needs to be room for that. Also having clear goals and projects and a clear plan for success, like I mentioned before, is crucial right if you don't have these things maybe it's not time yet to hire someone you want to just make sure those things are ready and if you're saying that I don't even have time to create those things another option is hiring an onboarding manager I actually did this with my assistant and my bookkeeper I hired an onboarding manager at the same time as I hired those two so that she could kind of be in charge of helping me figure out the best way to set an agenda, the best way to communicate with them, the apps to use, to share my passwords without actually telling them my passwords, all sorts of things like that. An onboarding manager can be an amazing hire as you're hiring so that you end up saving money on um, the long term. It just makes the process smoother in the beginning, right? Um, And they have all the questions that your onboarding manager should be able to outline all of your goals and your questions and ask you what all the questions so that you have it outlined perfectly for your staff so you don't have to take that time thinking, did I cover everything, right? Onboarding managers just have that um, specific expertise. But if not, if, if you're not quite there, then it's really great to have a clear delegation process. This is something I teach all of my clients. It is so important we teach it so that there's zero loopholes for delegation. Most of my clients that do have staff complain constantly that they tell their client, their uh, employees what to do, and then they don't do it or they don't do it right. And I'm like, I can almost guarantee you, you're not delegating properly and clearly. Because when I delegate something, I know very clearly whether it was my fault or their fault that it did not deliver appropriately, right? And so this is what I recommend. A couple of questions. You want to decide what and communicate what is the result that I want created, not what do I want you to do, but what is the result that I want done and by when. So results with a deadline. Whose job is it to create the process, right? So again, in some of these roles it might be obvious with a tactician, right? You're creating the process for how they're going to do it and you're giving it to them and they're just executing on it. Or if you have a more senior employee, you're saying, okay, it's your job to figure out how we're going to deliver this and then report it to me. I'll approve it. And then you can go ahead and execute on it. And then step four is if it can't be done, what is the protocol for changing the plan? If it's, if the result is not going to be delivered by the deadline, whose job is it like, namely the employee to come to you by when to inform you that they will not be able to deliver the result because of X, Y, Z, right? Because of Y and explain why. So this is so crystal clear that like, I know that I can fully delegate. And once it's properly delegated I can expect it to be done and then if it's not done I've said oh well did you you didn't let me know and you were told explicitly that you were supposed to let me know if it wasn't going to get done and then it usually comes down to oh right it's not a good fit they're just not communicating properly or they'll just let me know and then I can say oh okay well actually you know, that's not acceptable. I need you to kind of work at a faster pace or totally, I get it. That makes a lot of sense why it's not going to be done by then. Here's the new deadline or find out this information and then come back to me and then we'll decide on a new deadline. Perfect. Amazing. It's been working out like perfectly with my bookkeeper, Um, this delegation process. She's very clear on the things that are high priority. And if, um, if we have deadlines and if she's not getting it done by that time, she just lets me know. Perfect. Now let's talk about the fun part: firing. It's like such a trigger word for a lot of you guys, right? It's not fun. So let's talk about the three things, though. It doesn't have to be horrible, though. Let's talk about the three questions that I really um, have gotten that I think are important to note here. Number one: My new employee is calling out a uh, is calling out of work a bunch. It's unacceptable. I've told her I need need her here but I don't know if I should fire her now. It's been a couple of times or should I give her more chances, right? So number one, it's our job to be crystal clear on the path to success. I've said this time and time again in this episode and the policies and the consequences to breaking them. Policies without consequences really don't mean anything, right? It's like in parenting. If we say like, don't do this and then they do the thing we said not to do and they don't have a consequence, it kind of trains them that it's not that big of a deal when you tell them that they need to do something by this deadline, right? What is the point of setting a deadline if when they don't meet the deadline, there's no consequence, right? So those consequences though still need to be outlined very clear in advance. And if they're not, I personally believe that it's you, It's your fault that they're not delivering and <laughs> you've kind of trained them that way. Um, so that firing may not be the step if you haven't outlined the policies or consequences yet. Are your policies crystal clear? Example, right? Do you have a policy that says you're allowed two emergency, no questions asked, call outs per year? And if you exceed this, your employment may be terminated? You are the owner of your business and you can decide to fire someone for a number of reasons, but long-term success depends heavily on mutual understanding. And there's really no better way to set your employees and you up for success than with explicit, written, agreed upon policies, benchmarks for success, and consequences for not meeting company standards. This ensures that you're not making decisions personally, Right? it's not that big of a deal. It's already understood. And then if, you know, if this comes to be and the person has three um, emergency call outs and the policy is two, it's not like a surprise. They're not, they're not shocked, right? They might be upset, but they still understand that that's just the policy. And it's a matter of fact. Okay. Question number two I wanted to address was, this one. I fired someone and I know it was the right thing to do, but I still feel terrible a week later. How do I feel better about it? Well, the reason you feel bad isn't because of the firing. It's because of your thoughts. So just always need to repeat that, right? It's not the circumstance of firing that ever makes us feel bad. It's our thoughts about why we should or should not have done that. So step one is you need to solidify your beliefs about why you fired them. Sometimes this shift alone helps you remember that it was the perfect action for your business and for you and for them. Because keeping an employee who's not performing at company standards is not a service to them. It's enabling them and it robs them of their growth and of personal accountability for them you know, like when I was younger and I was kept on by this, this job that I had when I was younger and I just, it really, I was getting away with murder. I was traveling a lot. Like I didn't really, they didn't have clear rules to be honest. Um, but I kind of could tell that maybe I was taking off more than I should have. And, um, I just, you know, they enabled me and so I continued to do it. Now, looking back, you know, I have created better standards for myself in terms of um, communication and in terms of like a job, but I still think that I it would have been a great learning experience for me to have been, you know, given a consequence for those things, right? Instead of just kind of like an attitude <laughs> And I'm sure if you're listening to this, you might know what I'm talking about. You might be giving your staff in an attitude and you're like, I don't get it. Like I'm telling them and I'm like giving them my stern face and they're still doing the same thing. And I'm like, "Mm." an attitude is not the same thing as a consequence, okay? So step two, after you've uh, reminded yourself of the beliefs about why you fired them, ask yourself why you feel bad. Sounds obvious, right? But most times my clients tell me about, their assumptions or even actual evidence of their ex-employee being upset or not having um, or not having a new job lined up and they're making these problems that they need to solve negative emotions are not problems to be fixed they're human experiences that we all should be having right life is 50 50 we're all going to experience negative emotion it's that's not a problem. Their negative emotion, if they're even having it, is coming from their thought that is usually probably a little bit dramatic in the moment or we don't really know what their thought is. But, you know, I've been fired before and I had the thought of like, this sucks. I didn't do a good job, right? It was really mostly about myself. And it wasn't about the employee. And even if I was blaming them at the time, in hindsight, usually my perspective or people's perspectives shift and then we we realize, oh, okay, I can now that some of my emotions have faded, I can see where I may have been Playing a role in this of course right because we create our own results and that is that so negative emotions don't need to be fixed your responsibility is to your, as the owner, is to your thoughts, feelings, actions, results, and those of your business, right? The results of your business. When we try to solve for other people's models, their thoughts and their feelings and their actions, we often end up creating a business and a team that we resent. And that's not what you want. And on top of that, we rob the employee and our business of the opportunity to really grow and thrive to the levels that we want it to be at. Step three, don't assume that you know what's best for your ex-employee's future or anyone else's but your own, right? Even if they tell you that this is just the worst and it's not what they want. No one enjoys being fired, like I said, and I've been fired before and so have many of my clients and all of us agree in hindsight that it was ultimately the best thing that could have happened to us. Many of us wouldn't have even created our businesses if we hadn't been let go or fired from uh, our previous jobs. So not to say that we can assume that that's going to be the case either, But it is to say that your only job is to decide what's best for the business and to create a clear outline of how your team can contribute to that success. Okay? And then your job is to love them. Love your future employees in advance. And then you get to hire them with confidence and a willingness for them to fail in it for it to potentially not work out. Love your current employees when they exceed your expectation and then celebrate them. Love your current employees when they fail and remind them of your policies and path to success. Tweak all of that and remind people of the consequences, right? Be very clear and then love them, your employees, when it doesn't work out and tell them the truth immediately with the belief that the truth serves everyone. And then finally, finally, love yourself. Love yourself for showing up with integrity in your business and taking the right action for your business instead of taking the easy option. Go out there and be an example of what it means to live a big life and to build a big business. You so got this, Habster. Have a beautiful week.